Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we have been doing a talk, uh, a series called Mind Your Brain. It's all about the science of our brains and the neurons and the networks and the trees of protein that grow in our brains. But it's also about our minds. We're saying that my mind and my brain are not the same thing. The world will tell you if you have a feeling or you have a thought in your brain, that is just who you are. And you better just go with that feeling. If you are born with a tendency to be angry or whatever, addicted or whatever, then that's just the way you're made and bad luck. You just got to live with it. But the good news of Christianity is that you can renew your mind. And actually, even if your brain has been wired wrongly through your upbringing and through the various experiences of your life, we can, with the power of God, with the word of God and by the spirit, we can rewire our brains and use our minds to take every thought captive, the Bible says, to the obedience of Christ. And I've seen it in my own life. I grew up in a non-Christian family with all sorts of wrong thinking patterns, really wrong. Uh, you know, is, are people against me? Am I inferior? Um, how, do I, how do I do this, uh, you know, make myself famous? Uh, all these different desires in my life. And I remember all the wirings that, that I had in my brain and God over a period of many years, mainly through his word, has helped me to rewire those. And I had a really interesting experience this week. A, a sad experience, but an interesting one. We had a, a, a man leave our church this week and he, he sent me an email that was extremely um, critical of me. He was saying, Greg, you've got to repent of this and this and this and this and you're wrong in this area and this area. I mean, it was really just reading me the riot act. And I, I went before the Lord, broken on my knees. I said, Lord, show me. Am I as broken as this? And I was talking to my wife, Bronwyn, about it. I, know, I often know it's the Lord who's answering me because the answer he gives me is so different to what I expected him to say. I was expecting or hoping he would say, no, you're fine, Greg, you're fine. You know, you, you just got one or two little areas to touch up on, but you healed and your whole... God said to me, you're a mess. But that's how I want you. I'll use you as a broken vessel. And, you know, it brought me such comfort. Can you imagine the comfort that God, the creator of the universe, says to me, you're a mess, you're broken, you're damaged, you're cracked, you're a, a broken jar. The Bible talks about us like a, a jar of clay with a treasure inside. And it's the cracks in those jars that allow the light of that treasure to shine out to the world. And God said to me, you're broken and damaged. Your background and your life has really twisted you, messed you up. But you're exactly how I want you to be. And I love you as you are and I'm using you as you are. Can you imagine the grace and the joy and the peace that flooded into my heart when I heard that? And I realized that God wants to do that for all of us. Every single, none of us is different. God wants to change our thinking and our, the wiring that has been in our brains for so many years. So we're closing the series this week. This is the end of the Mind Your Brain series, just three weeks, because we've been saying that 21 days is the period of time it takes for you to rewire a wrong thought. You, if you haven't heard the previous two talks, please listen to them. I don't want to recap them too much, but just to say that when you think uh, in a certain way over a period of time, it grows physical proteins, actual cells that look like trees in your brain, 
and they're in your subconscious. 99% of your thinking is below the level of consciousness. You don't know it's there, but it affects you every single day. Every reaction, every thought, every word, every emotion, everything comes out of these trees that have been built over many, many years. But the amazing study that has now been done in science, and we, we've been using the work of a doctor called Caroline Leaf, is that you can rewire with the help of God's Word and His Holy Spirit, you can bring those thoughts. If you, if you identify there's a wrong thought, you can bring it up into your 1% conscious mind and by God's power with prayer and by His Word over a period of 21 days, which is what we looked at last week, you can rewire and reprogram that thought and that toxic tree that actually is made of chemicals that cause damage and harm to the rest of our bodies, that toxic tree can be broken down. Scientists have seen this. They can look at these little neurons through uh, extremely strong microscopes. They've seen those trees being broken and denatured and, and taken away and replaced with healthy trees that produce good chemicals. Isn't that amazing? You guys aren't as excited as I am about this. That's okay. Proverbs 4, which should come up on your screen, was one of the verses we read. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Just notice what he says. The, the way that we're supposed to treat God's word. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Those four sayings talk about us over 21 days focusing on God's word and allowing his word to replace those trees. And listen to what it says. They are life to those who find them. I can testify to that. I've got joy and peace, hope, direction, vision, purpose. I've got life. But then it also says, and health to all their flesh. And Dr. Leaf gives a whole lot of statistics and she gives all the different uh, references to back it up. She says 75 to 98% of physical illnesses are traced back to a wrong thought process. And we can see a change in our health, in our physical lives, and in our emotional state. Romans 8 verse 5 says, The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. We can see life and peace burst forth in our lives if we do it like this. And you can read Dr. Leaf's material. She's got several books. She's on the internet. Uh, you can learn more about it from there. We're going to be carrying on with other sermon topics after this week. I just want to mention a couple of things today as we close. The first is the power of words. The power of your words. You know that the Bible says, and I think we've got this verse up on the, on the screen, James chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. He says, look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The Bible says life and death is in the power of your tongue. And that's not just a little trite saying. Science backs it up, but the Bible is very clear that the way you speak, not only shows what's in your heart. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you hear things coming out of your mouth, you know what your deep subconscious mind really thinks. And it's a good way of identifying toxic trees. But, 
And this is the important thing. When you speak words, you can change the course of your life. It's like a rudder on a massive ship. A tiny rudder can turn that ship. Your tongue is a tiny part of your body, but if you will watch the words that you say, you can change your life. And I don't have time to go into all the details of it, but let me just say one thing. When you say a word, it's not just other people that hear that word. Your own mind hears that word, and you believe what you say more than anything else in the world. It changes your own thinking. And so if you're the type of person who's always putting yourself down and saying, oh, I'm not very good. Oh, it'll never work out for me. Oh, I, I always have this problem. Oh, I'm destined to fail. Oh, silly old idiot that I am. If you keep on saying those words, uh, I, I speak to my children when they're playing sports. I say, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't keep saying, oh, you silly idiot. You should have played that shot better. Say, well done, buddy. Talk to yourself like you're a friend of yourself. Use words that are powerful and true and come from God's words. If you agree with God's words, as they come out of your mouth, your own subconscious mind hears those words and it changes your thinking. And so our words are extremely important. Watch your words. I, I challenge you to over the next few days, just listen to what you're saying and say, why am I saying those things? Are those true? Is that right what I'm saying? Sometimes we get caught up in, in a, a mood where a whole lot of people are talking negatively. Oh, everything's bad. The economy's going down. This is bad. The future's bad. And we start saying those same things just to fit in with the crowd. Don't do it, Christian. Don't do it. Speak words of, of hope and life. You know, Jesus said, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. But then he said, the words that I'm speaking to you are spirit and they are life. When you speak words as a Christian, there's a power, a spiritual power in those words. They create and they destroy. And your words are not just breaths of air going out into the, into the atmosphere. They are creative, powerful things. Amen? Right. I want to just talk about grace for a bit. Let me just read you something that Dr. Leaf has on her website. She said, a doctor in Miami was doing a test recently on AIDS patients, people with HIV. They were testing the viral load, which is the amount of the, the virus in the, in the bloodstream, and immune health, how strong their immune system was. And they tested whether there was any influence of a spiritual element. And she did a, a controlled test to see if there was a difference between all the patients were on the same treatment, but some patients believed that God was loving and benevolent. Other patients believed either there was no God or that he was a harsh, judgmental God. And this is the theme that I'm going to be bringing out today, is that there are two camps in the world. And I'm going to assume everyone believes in God. The, the statistics are 99% of the world's population believe in a God. But some people believe in a kind, benevolent, loving God, and I'm illustrating that with a smile, a God with a smile on his face. And some people believe in a harsh, judgmental God. That's a God with a frown on his face, and he's watching you and he's keeping records. Which one are you? So she tested them, and she found out that those patients that believed in a benevolent and loving God versus a harsh, judgmental God, the, the ones who believed in a kind God, their viral load dropped five times faster and their immune health improved five times faster than the others. Five times is a significant change. 
just because they believed that God was kind. And then she said, what about if you have a relationship with that God? If you believe that you're in relationship with him, and they found that the improvement was even greater than the five times. There's, you know, we've said that it's God's word that we have to follow, but let me be honest with you, friends. There are Christians who follow God's word, but they come from the judgment side of a worldview. Everything's about justice, right and wrong. God is keeping score. If I do good, I will be rewarded. If I do bad, I will be punished. And karma, or as you sow, you will reap. All of these are, are statements that come from the judgment side. You get what you deserve. You better be good. If things go well for you, God is blessing you. If things go badly for you, it's because you've done bad. It's all about God is keeping score. That's the judgment side. Then there are Christians who come from the grace side, which say, I don't deserve anything. Even if I did the best I could do, I couldn't please God. I'm not good enough. No one's good enough. It has to be a gift of grace. And I am unashamed, uh, unashamed to say that I am firmly and completely convinced that the, the grace side is the only true side. And I'm just going to give you one proof. I, I've done other sermons on this, so I'm not going to go into it now. But one proof is the only difference between Christianity and every other dogma and religion in the world. It doesn't matter what name you give it, what ism, communism, Buddhism, Confucianism, whatever ism, every other religion in the world, everyone, without exception, and I'm being bold on this, every single other religion except Christianity says if you will just do this, this, and this, you will be accepted by God and get to heaven. Christianity is the only one that preaches grace, which says you can never be good enough. It has to be a gift from God. And if we as Christians, again, I've preached on this many times, so I'm not going to go into it, but we can get saved by grace, but then we slip out of this grace. You know, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything. I, I need your grace. And we receive it gratefully. But then, after a few weeks or months or years, we start to think, actually, I'm quite a good person now. God has cleaned me up. He saved me. And we slip into this justice side where we think, I'm good enough. If God's blessing me, it's because I'm good. Or I'm praying more. Or I know the Bible. Or I'm giving enough. And, and we judge other people. We get prideful. We think, they're bad sinners. I'm a good person, blessed by God because I'm good. And we slip out of the grace into the judgment. And the book of Galatians, the whole book of Galatians, is Paul writing to a church who'd slipped out of grace into legalism or justice. And he says, you've fallen away from Christ. Christ will profit you nothing because you're trying to earn or deserve something from God. He says, it's got to all be grace. Now, what I want, why am I talking about this? Because there are... Three aspects to rewiring our brains which come from this grace teaching. And I'm just going to go through them very, very quickly. Imagine somebody came to you and they said, or maybe they didn't even say it, but you just got a feeling they knew about all your failures and all your weaknesses and all your mistakes and lies and, and trickery and all the, all the faults you have. And you knew they knew about it, but they still showed you love and acceptance and gave you an opportunity or gave you a gift or whatever it was, accepted you, loved you. How does that make you feel? That is the essence of what I'm talking about today. When we understand that grace, when we see, wow, I've been given grace and I didn't deserve it, 
The true response, if I really understand grace, is three things. Thankfulness, would you agree? Would you agree that you'll be a thankful person if you receive... Imagine you go to the, the grocery till at the supermarket and as you get there with all your groceries that are going to cost you so much, the person behind the till says, somebody else has already paid for this. What do you, how do you feel? You just say, wow, that's wonderful. You just overflow with thankfulness. And part of that is humility. There's just like, I didn't deserve this. That's the first one. The second one is you want to give it on to others. There's a feeling of, I want to pass this on. I've, I've received so much, I want to pass it on to others. And that's forgiveness is the main thing. If a person struggles to forgive others, you know, Jesus said in the, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. And then right afterwards, he says, for if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. And many people say, well, that's weird. I thought we were forgiven because Jesus died for us on the cross. Why is my forgiveness linked to whether I forgive others? It's not. It's a sign. If I've understood the forgiveness I've received, I will pass it on to others. And if I don't pass it on to others, it means I haven't understood what I've received. Does that make sense? Does it? I hope it does. You know, Jesus told a parable about a man who owed a, 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 an authority figure millions, 10,000 uh, talents of, of gold. I mean, it was, it was in the m multiplied millions he owed him, and he could never repay. And the man forgave him everything. said, you, you're forgiven. You don't owe me anything. And that man went straight out and grabbed somebody who owed him just a few dollars or pounds and said, pay me back. And the king said, you are now going to prison. Why? It's because he hadn't understood that he'd been given so much. If I've understood I've been blessed so much from God with forgiveness and grace, I will pass it on. So the first is thankfulness. The second is forgiveness being passed on to others. And the third is repentance. We said last week that the word repentance in the Bible is metanoia. It's a Greek word. And meta means change. Noia means mind. Metanoia means I've changed my mind. When I've received this grace, when I realize I didn't deserve it, I wasn't good enough. But God has forgiven me. My mind is changed and I start to want to do right. I repent and I want to serve and please God. Now think about it. Thankfulness, forgiving others, and repenting could be seen as a checklist of things to do. If you're stuck in the justice side of, of a worldview and you think, if I do right, I will be rewarded, right, today I must be thankful. Thank you, God. You are wonderful. Today I must forgive others. I forgive you. I forgive you. Or today I must repent. I repent of all those bad things. But I'm still on the judgment side. Can you see that it's possible to imitate real grace and real Christian life, but you're still doing it out of a sense of duty and rules and trying to earn something from God? I read a brilliant quote this week. I just wish I could remember who said it. But they said, grace is not, about, uh, is not against working. Grace is not against working hard, but it's against trying to earn something. The, the grace camp doesn't say we don't work hard. We do, but it's not to earn something. It's not to deserve something. It's not to boast and say, I'm better. It's out of gratitude. Whereas some people are in the judgment camp and what they need is a change of their mindset deep down inside. So 
Let me get back to the Mind Your Brain sermon series today. What I'm saying to you today, friends, brothers and sisters, in conclusion of this series, is if you don't get grace sorted out in your mind, all of those toxic thought trees that are in your, in your heart, you will struggle to get rid of them. And I want to make this point very, very strongly and very, very clear. I believe it with all of my heart that you can do all the right things to rewire your brain, but if you haven't understood grace, if you're still coming out of a place of legalism and God is a judge and he's harsh and he's going to get me if I don't do things right, those toxic, you will struggle to get rid of those toxic trees. I mentioned last week that in my own life, forgiving of others has been the biggest uh, key to rewiring wrong thought patterns in my mind. So you may find I have a wrong thought pattern about fear. Perhaps you're the type of person, you're worried about the future. What's going to happen? Am I going to have enough? Is the economy going to collapse? Is my bank balance going to be enough? Is my retirement fund enough? Maybe a disaster will hit me. And you realize, because of the words you speak and the thoughts in your mind, I have negative, toxic trees in my brain, and they're producing terrible results, health problems in my life. How do I overcome fear? You need to do these three things. The, the grace is the answer. Obviously, we need the Word of God to renew those wrong thought patterns. You need to get the, the verses in the Bible that says where God says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Uh, God will protect you. God will look after you. You need to get those verses in your mind and you need to say them. But this grace element is essential. So let me show you how it works. Just with the fear thing and then with a couple of others, perhaps, if I have time. So what I do with my fear, with my fear thoughts, I say, God, you've been so kind to me. You've blessed me. You've protected me. You've saved me. You've helped me. I'm going to look at these three things. Repentance, thankfulness, and forgiveness. Repentance first. Lord, I am sorry that I have worried and been fearful. I repent. I turn away from that. I take responsibility. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been fearful. Your word tells me, Lord, do not be anxious for anything. Do not worry. Do not fear. Do not fear is one of the most used uh, commandments in the Bible. Do you know that? Do not fear for anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Lord, I'm sorry. I choose today to take responsibility for my fear. And Lord, I bring it to you. And I say, I'm sorry. And I decide to change my mind. Repentance. Then, thankfulness. Lord God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the, your word, which promises that you'll protect me. Thank you for all the blessings that I have in my life. Lord, I stop looking in fear at my own problems, and I start looking around me and saying, wow, I'm so blessed. Thank you, God. Thank you. I praise you. I worship you. I'm reminded of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. He's faced with a massive army, much bigger than his army, and he can't defeat them. But God comes to him and says, don't worry, I will help you. You just need to thank me. And so Jehoshaphat puts some singers at the front of his army, not his best soldiers, not his most armed, protected men. He puts singers at the front and they walk towards the enemy who are wanting to kill them. Fear must be rising in their hearts, but they walk towards them. And you know what they say? Give thanks to the Lord. His grace or his mercy endures forever. You see, thanksgiving and grace go together. The word thank you in French is merci, mercy. In Spanish is gracias, grace. 
The thank you and grace and mercy go together. When I receive God's grace, thankfulness comes out of me. And you can, in any situation where you've got a negative tree, you repent, you turn around, and then you say, thank you, God. And as you say thank you, His presence floods into your life. Um, Psalm 22 says, God inhabits the praises of His people. So, Paul and Silas in a prison in, a, in Philippi, they've been beaten and whipped, their backs are ripped by the whips, they're in chains and stocks, they've got guards all around them, there's iron gates locked. What do they do? They start worshipping God at midnight, it says. They start thanking God out of grace, not out of legalism, not saying we must now sing and thank God. No, God, you're so good to us. And what happens? God's presence floods into the room. Their chains break open. The chains of all the people in the whole prison and all the, all the prison gates fly open. An earthquake and they're set free. And the prisoner, the jailer, the Philippian prison guard is, is saved and becomes a Christian. Why? Because they thanked him in the middle of their situation. So you might be in the middle of fear. You need to find the verses that talk about why you shouldn't fear. But first you repent. You say, I'm sorry, God. Thank you for your grace. Then you say, thank you, God. And you start praising him in the midst of your situation. You know, there's twice in the Bible it says, thank God for all circumstances and in all circumstances. And many people say, how can I thank God that my father was an alcoholic, that my mother got killed by a robber, that my child died? How can I thank God for these terrible things? What we do is we say, Lord, I thank you. You weren't the author of that, but you are flooding in with your peace, with your grace. And Lord, you've promised you will work all things together for good to those who love you. Lord, even though that was a, a tragedy and a disaster and a tool of the devil, you are working it for good in my life. I wonder if you can imagine how this toxic tree is starting to dissolve. And you do this every day for 21 days. So we repent, we're thankful, and then the last one is we forgive. You see, if I've been forgiven so much, I must pass it on to others. I can't live in grace for myself, but justice for everybody else. I've got to choose. It's either justice or grace for me and everybody else. If I want to be, hold people for justice, let's just say somebody has hurt you, and they have hurt you. A husband has abused you or, or somebody's stolen from you or somebody's done something wrong to you. They have hurt you. But friend, I want to say to you, you can live in justice and you'd be justified to do so. You could say, that person owes me and I will get justice. But I want to say to you that if you live in justice, you will not receive the grace and therefore your toxic tree will never be healed. I know of people who they know all the verses and they can recite the words of the truth but because they will not let go of that person that hurt them that toxic tree is not going to be healed in their mind I'm sure you know of people like this as well and I just want to say to you please hear me unless you live in this place of grace where you're willing to forgive others your toxic trees will never will never be healed now you say to me it's not fair They've done wrong. They deserve to be punished. And I agree with you. They do. But please hear me now. You are not the judge. God is. Step out of the way. Say, God, I leave them to you. I live in grace. I've received grace and I pass on grace. I forgive them, Lord. I bless them, in fact.
We had a lovely friend, her an old lady, her name was Beatrice. She was a widow. She lived in a very poor little shanty hut and she took in about eight orphans off the street just to look after them. But there was one person she could not forgive and her body was racked with sickness. She was really struggling. And I said to her, Beatrice, will you forgive that person? She looked at me and she says, I can't forgive him. I said, Beatrice, it's your key, it's your path to healing. If you receive forgiveness, pass it on. She says, all right, I'll forgive him. And she forgave this man. And then I said, I don't know why, but I just felt prompted to say, Beatrice, will you pray God blesses him? She says, what? I said, just do that. She says, Lord, I pray you bless him. And immediately, all the arthritis, all the pain, just completely left her body. Why? A toxic tree was dissolved. And the root of those toxic trees is always unforgiveness. No matter what your problem is, no matter what wrong thinking, there is always a person or an event or a circumstance that has hurt you and you can hold on to it for justice. But if you want healing, you need to say, God, I received forgiveness, so I pass it on. I'm stepping out of the way. Lord, you're the judge. You sort it out. I'm, I'm not holding on for justice anymore. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.